and welcome to this episode of Cargo Facts Connect, a podcast of Cargo Facts, the newsletter record for the air cargo and freighter aircraft industries for over 40 years. I'm your host, Andrew Kreider, Associate Editor of Cargo Facts. And I'm Robert Luke, Associate Editor of Cargo Facts. And I'm Jeff Lee, Editor of Cargo Facts. I want to begin today with a trip down memory lane, going into the classic genre for our legacy narrow body freighter, the 737-400. Jeff, there were a couple of headlines this week about the 737-400. I want to go through them really quickly. Don't you have something breaking for us right now? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Um, given all the talk about 737 NGs and 800s, um, it, we are still talking at the same time about classics and 400s. Um, but today we have a story um, about modern logistics in Brazil. Now, they have two 300s and two 400s, and um, they recently actually appointed a new CEO who started in January, I'm told. And so I would talk to him briefly about their fleet plans and um, and this stemmed from a letter or statement that, that he pushed out on behalf of the company um, and they mentioned uh, that they're looking at um, renewing their fleet and so talk to him in a little bit more detail about that and um, he, he told us that they are now looking to uh, within the next 12 months or so um, get their first uh, one or two uh, 737 800 freighters. Um, so, I mean, of course, this is the kind of the natural next step for any operator with 737 classics and then more specifically, probably a 400. But, um, but we are seeing other operators replace 300s and 400s with um, 800s. So they, um, yeah, they're in talks now with uh, various leasing companies, I guess, and um, they will see what happens, but they um, they are they did say that they have a preference for uh, the Boeing um, conversion or the AEI conversion, um, and of course both of those conversions are are certified in Brazil, um, right? Because we have Goal, which is operating um, two and soon more to come um, seven three seven eight hundred BCFs. Um, those are operated for um, Mercado Libre. And we have um, Sideral, another Brazilian carrier that um, we don't quite know what's happening there, but we we do think that they will be um, getting 800 uh, SF um, AEI conversions. So um, yeah, I think we were just talking recently about um, more 800s coming to this part of the world, weren't we, with, um, you know, Aerolíneas Argentinas. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, we are continuing to see um, more decisions based around renewing um, classics um, in this part of the world, so. And more uh, 737-400 freighters are coming online. I, I know as earlier this week, Titan Airways uh, told us that they were approaching the end of their 737 classic operations, retiring the sole Boeing narrow body freighter in their fleet. That's a 1992 vintage aircraft. Now they told us that that aircraft was returning to um, returning to its lessor and was currently in maintenance, which to me would imply that the aircraft would still have more life 
in it, which would start up uh, or give the potential to start up operations for a brand new airline, which is where I want to turn it to Robert. That's correct, Andrew. Aloha Air took on its first 737-400 and they took it from their uh, sister company, uh, Northern Air Cargo. So that was an interesting turn. And as you know, we kind of follow up on the status of the 737 Classics. You know, it's just kind of a mixed bag right now. You know, some people are seeing the end of the life of the aircraft, but you have a lot of carriers like what Jeff mentioned in Latin America, like Air Caribbean and uh, Aerosucre. You know, they're continuing to add more classics to their fleets. And then you're seeing that being evidenced in the Indonesian uh, region as well, when you had Asia Cargo Network and RGA Blackstone and Cardi Gear and, uh, you know, all those other various carriers taking on some of the classics as well and gladly taking them off the hand of the uh, previous operators with no problem. So I think, you know, while people are seeing the end and the transition to the 800s, uh, particularly the 737-400 still has a pulse in its uh, veins as it continues to operate. And, you know, Crestone just recently took on two 737-400s and part of their uh, decision-making for that as a new entry, uh, less so into the freighter market, is just because they feel like the 400 is actually, uh, when you compare the cost, just as competitive uh, with the 800. Uh, as far as the capabilities, uh, you know, um, cost to acquire and overall operational needs based on the, uh, you know, requirements of each individual operator that that uh, would be taken on uh, the decision making of either the 800 or the 400. They still believe that there's a strong competitive advantage that the 400 can provide. So, you know, it's very interesting to kind of see how all this will shake out. But the, the classics are still fighting. They're still they haven't gone out. They haven't gone down for the final count yet. And that, that's a very interesting market segment, because unlike with the upcoming uh, end of uh, 747 operations for a lot of airlines uh, where there's a there's a gap to fill with either the A350 or the 777, it seems like a lot of these airlines go from operating these classic freighters to operating 737-800s, which would be uh, a a boom to Boeing sales, at least. Um, now, Robert, you also um, have some very close connections with uh, our friends at Extreme. They have an entire 737 classic um, operation uh, with a lot of regional entrants from LATAM, if I'm not mistaken. Am I right? That is correct. Uh, you know, shout out to Carlos Clark and the team down there. And, um, Miami, but they definitely do have a strong uh, network and relationship with a lot of the operators down in the Latin American markets, which we would consider the secondary markets, but I think soon will convert to a primary market, as well as uh, in some regions of Africa and various parts of Asia and the Middle East. And um, one of the things that Carlos shared with us in one of our Q&A sessions with him earlier last year was that he strongly believes that you know, these aircraft will continue to at least operate at minimum for the next five years, possibly 10. And that was also echoed by um, our uh, president over at Asia Cargo Network, Mr. Mr. Marco, as well. So I think that being said, um, I don't think these aircraft are, are going softly down into the night. I think they're going to be around for uh, a few more years and, you know, they may surprise a few people as to how long they actually end up remaining in service. 
when you're comparing them to what's happening in transition with the 800s rapidly being deployed in transition to a uh, freighter service. Do you think that all these LATAM operators will uh, succeed their classics um, with 800s uh, or would you, is it too early to tell? I would say, you know, if I, if I put my opinion on it, I think they're comfortable with what they have. You know, uh, there's a strong uh, presence of classics in, in the region. So as far as pooling support of resources, materials and maintenance supplies, there's a strong contingency still there where it's not forcing them to make that decision just yet. On the other hand, I mean, we um, on the NG side, we I mean, we looked at this very recently, didn't we? And just for an update on the what the market is looking like and the numbers, um, that number of NG freighters has grown by quite a bit um, since the last time we looked at that. And we are now uh, at a total of more than 140 737 NGs um, around the world, um, with more you know, rapidly coming online. And it, it was it was interesting just to see, you know, which regions um, added more and, you know, and there were certainly a number of new countries and carriers being added to the list. So, I mean, I'm very sure we'll continue to see that number grow um, this year because conversion rates uh, are increasing. Um, we've got the new lines coming online and, and as more of these 800s um, are redelivered, it'll be interesting to see the demand, how the demand for these um, changes and with and how lease rates, for example, um, might change. And that will certainly have an effect on um, some of these these carriers getting more um, and perhaps some that currently only have classics um, replacing those. And I and I and I agree with you, Jeff, to an extent. I do think that you have a great point. And, and and of course, you know, that's why I said it's a mixed bag right now, because you know, those who can afford them are taking these 737 800s on and they're taking them on at a rapid pace. But at the same time, you know, uh there are these three factors. One, like you said, the economy and how how badly the recession will hit the market. Two, how quickly the market will recover from the current slump that it's in. And then three, what is the comfort zone of these particular operators? Does it make sense for them to transition to the 800 where even though it's still the same type of aircraft, technically it's a whole new platform when it comes to maintenance, when it comes to crew training, when it comes to operational expenses and resources. So, you know, those are some of the three critical factors that I'm sure all of these operators are going to evaluate when they're trying to make that decision. And of course, no one's going to move if they don't see uh, an increase in demand to dictate the uh, or or uh, substantiate the the investment in additional assets, whether it's a classic or an 800. But I think that also kind of works in favor of the classic because as long as we're kind of sitting here at a in limbo state, as you could say, as the economy is kind of like keeping everybody on their toes, guessing what's going to happen next. It's continuing to give this aircraft life because at the end of the day, even though it's a gas guzzler, even though there may be some higher maintenance values that you have to factor into your operational costs, you already own the asset and it's a lot cheaper to afford uh, if you're only flying situational hours or a certain amount of hours per month 
to operate the 737 Classic Freighters versus the 800. So again, I just think it's a mixed bag. I'm not saying you're right and I'm wrong or I'm wrong and you're right. I just think it's kind of a wait and see approach at this point. Now we know that the 737-800 is a very difficult uh, aircraft to acquire and especially with its the engines and partly because the asset retains its value. Now we learned that um, at Cargo Facts Symposium this year in San Diego. Uh, considering these the, the these classics and their growth regionally, and I'm specifically talking about the Latin American market here, um, as opposed to in Indonesia, where um, as carriers switch from classic to um, next generation freighters uh, in China, those classics end up in Indonesia. For specifically LATAM, we know um, Brazilian manufacturer Embraer um, is hoping to cut in onto that 737 classic market. And they, they'd said at Farnborough that their E190F uh, would be a competitor for the classic. Do you think that there's that might be um, room to cut in on? And I, I think I'd argue that maybe, yeah, um, because the 800, the, looking at the difference between the 800 and the classic as far as space and volume, they're different. They're definitely a, a difference there. The Embraer could cut in on because um, it's. I it, some would argue it's directly. It's more directly uh, comparable. But what do you all think? I think for the E190F, it's only going to be competitive against the 737 Classic from a from the 300 format. I don't think it's going to be competitive with the 400 or even the 800 because just on sheer volume. It just cannot match the, the load capacity. But as far as the 300, is definitely going to be a more cost-effective variant to the 300, which is already rapidly being phased out. And I think that's the, you know, in comparison to the 737 market, that's where I'll see them making a significant impact because they can travel just as far as the 300 and almost carry the same load. It's kind of like the A321 and the uh, 757 transition, if I had to use a comparable uh, analysis. That's certainly interesting. Jeff, what do you think? Well, I mean, yeah, it's the uh, it's really not um, a direct replacement. Um, I mean, we, that's clear. But there is, I guess, um, a certain overlap where maybe some carriers that are currently operating the 737-300 um, on routes that the 300 might be a tiny bit too big for, um, then that would make the Embraer more appealing. Um, but of course, you have to figure in the fact that the, the Embraer would be completely new type for many of these carriers. Um, and certainly if you are already um, an Embraer operator on the passenger side, it makes things a bit easier. Um, but because of Boeing's dominance um, in the traditional dominance in the freighter market, um, that they they kind of it, it becomes um, a much more complicated equation to figure out. Um, but I, I'm sure Embraer is uh, trying very hard to talk to operators all around the world. Um, so uh, yeah, I we'll just have to see whether they secure any more orders for their conversion this year. 
um, as they get going on that first prototype. Um, but I was going to ask you um, about another new freighter type, kind of trying to. Oh, I knew you were about to bring it up. <laughs> I was going to. I was going to pivot to back to Indonesia as I realized I skipped right over um the uh, Boeing narrow body uh activities in China as as it, the classics are retired and replaced with 800s if um the uh Comac uh which received the uh their uh, certification uh for their ARJ uh 21 700 they're calling it the 700 CCF um which is capable of carrying around 10 tons of payload will have a range of 1,200 nautical miles, traveling a cruising speed of Mach 0.78, a very impressive aircraft. Um, now, we know the ARJ 700CCF, uh, um, its passenger configuration wasn't the greatest success, as is the case for most domestically uh, produced aircraft from either China or Russia, which always struggled to compete with the conventional um, the Airbuses and Boeings. Do we think that, uh, I want to ask both of you, do you think that there there might be a chance of this uh, new freighter type cutting in on the 737 for the Asian market? I was going to say it's interesting you brought up Indonesia ahead of this because um, Indonesia, well, one Indonesian carrier was um, actually the first non-Chinese customer for the passenger variant of the ARJ-21, and um, that delivery took place um, re pretty recently. Um, but as far as the ARJ-21 conversion, um, I, I have to say I'm pretty skeptical. Um, yes, they have two customers already. Um, the first, of course, being uh, YTO Cargo Airlines. That aircraft is now painted um, and will be entering service soon, I guess. But uh, and they're, they're working on the second conversion um, in Guangzhou. That is going to uh, China Central Longhao Airlines. Um, but will we see a non-Chinese customer for the freighter as well? I am not sure. Robert? Good, po good point, Jeff, and thank you, Andrew. I, I, I just am looking at the aircraft, and, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is from a Western comparative, a 717, and there's a reason why that's not converted to a freighter right now. And if you look at the similarities, the uh, ARJ-21 has similar capabilities of that. So, I mean, will it cut into the 737 market? I don't really see it having a heavy impact. I think there will be some that will get uh, dispersed around in the Asian Pacific region. And I, you know, and until Comac gets more of a global footprint on its marketing and exposure and, uh, you know, um, reputation for, you know, being uh, known as one of the top tier manufacturers of aircraft, they're going to kind of unfortunately still be relegated to the um network and, and the clients that they currently have i think they just need more exposure in in, in simple words and so, as as i kind of just want to get off my chest what my thoughts are um there isn't enough exposure and even with that i think this type of aircraft it's you know probably at best more com more comparative to a crj 200 freighter variant 
than it will be in comparison to a 7.3 and maybe even uh, comparative to the E190F because it looks like they both will be entering the market uh, well, no, the the uh, 121 will enter a little bit sooner. Uh, um, the RJ21, excuse me, will enter a little sooner, but I don't think it's definitely in the class at a 737. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, we know Embraer is talking to customers in China, but um, I was going to say, you know, does uh, Comac really need, um, uh, you know, customers outside China for the ARJ21 conversion? Um, it's the domestic market is probably big enough um, that just like the passenger version, um, up until they delivered that to that uh, the, the passenger variant to the Indonesian carrier, uh, all of the operators and customers were um, Chinese airlines. And you know, does it really need? Um, other customers to be considered successful? I mean, I, I'm just throwing this question out there. Maybe um, all they were really hoping for was um, for it to enter service with um, multiple, you know, domestic airlines. Well, I, I, I will say this much. I think in regards to sales, obviously they don't need that. They've got enough clients within China, but uh, name recognition, dependability, assurance of quality, experience, uh, and, no, and know-how of being able to be recognized as one of the top-tier manufacturers globally. I think that would be important. Um, that, was, that was more or less the angle I was approaching on, especially if it's going to be an answer to the question posed of how much of an impact it would have when compared to the 7.3, uh, I think without those established qualities or or at least identity outside of China, it's going to be rather difficult. And on that bombshell, that's going to be all the time that we have for today. For more multimedia coverage like this, search Cargo Facts Connect on iTunes and Spotify and search CargoFacts.com. I want to thank you very much for tuning in and invite you to join us again next time.